。私はそんなに怖くないですけど。<笑> Imagine you're 22.、Um, you just graduated college. It's your first day at your new job. You meet your boss. You meet three colleagues. You get a tour of the office. And once that's done, your boss gives you your first assignment. In the next two months, I want to grow the business. One new product, four new markets, 10 new people. I will take care of the product and the marketing. The rest I will leave to you. What's the first thing that crosses through your mind? If you're like me, you're thinking, what do I do now? Business school had prepared me for joining a big corporation,、um, taught me about compensation schemes, about accounting, organizational structure. So useful for a big company. But when you join a startup, There's no process, there's no system, there's no mentor, there's only chaos and trial and error. The whole first day I was thinking, if only we had X or if only we had Y. On the way home, I felt pretty useless. I hadn't accomplished anything that day. So I thought to myself, why did I join this startup? I enjoyed the vibe. I thought it looked interesting to work. The mission,、um, I could resonate with that as well. And I thought the people that were working there shared that same sentiment with me. So, what do we have in common? We all studied business, marketing, or communication, and we loved video games. The startup we were working for was a mobile game company. So, what if tomorrow I make a job description covering everything that we find interesting about this job? And I then share it with every business school in Europe. That's how I overcame a new situation every single day. I would struggle, I would be lost, and I would complain if only we have this or if only we have that. But the market waits for no one. So eventually I would have to find a solution, and I usually found it by asking myself, what if? Two years later, we had expanded the company to 25 people, managing eight different products. And then I got a call from my boss. We're running out of cash and we need to let go of half of the staff. By when? I asked him. We got six weeks. I was 24, and to date, that's been my most difficult experience. To tell someone that they will be without a job in three to four weeks. With every conversation, it became easier, but it never became easy. And what made it so difficult was that. I hadn't seen it coming. And as a result, my team hadn't seen it coming either. Optimistically, we had been talking about interns becoming employees, temporary staff becoming permanent. Everything was sunshine and rainbows in our world, but it wasn't. If only my boss had told me earlier. I had two weeks to prepare the office, to tell everybody who was going to stay, who was going to be let go, and what we were going to do moving forward. And it made me sick in the stomach. But it wasn't just here, it was also here. Because at the same time, my girlfriend of four years had just broken up with me. And I hadn't seen that coming either. If only. That darkest time is now my proudest moment. What once felt hopeless was overcome both professionally and personally. A few weeks after that, I joined. Um, my ex girlfriend's graduation ceremony. She had asked me to join it so I could take care of her parents, which I had promised her months earlier, so I did that. And on the train ride back, 
I was thinking to myself, what do I want in life? I asked it a few times and the same one word kept coming up. Japan. A 30-minute train ride had never gone by that quickly, and by the time I got home I had made up my mind, I am going to Japan. I told my parents that night, my boss the next morning, and for the next six months I spent my time preparing my workplace for a life without me. During that time I didn't do any job hunting, but one year after I had made the decision, I was now on a plane to Japan. It was the end of a chapter and the start of a new one. And while the first few years were spent thinking, if only we have this or that, the next few years would be spent thinking, it doesn't make any sense. This started as soon as I arrived at the airport in Osaka. When I got there, I got a residence card um, that I used to identify myself in Japan. And I also got a piece of paper with my personal ID number uh, that I use for insurance, taxes, city hall. But if I wanted to do any of that online, I would have to separately apply for a My Number card. Three cards that could easily have been put together into one with a lot less paperwork. It doesn't really make any sense. A few weeks later, I was uh, driving for the first time and next to me sat a Japanese friend of mine. And once we got to the traffic light, my friend told me the light is blue. Japanese has a word for green. But what we consider a green light in most other languages, the Japanese for some reason consider a blue light. It doesn't make any sense to me. But the most shocking thing was the omiyage, a souvenir that you bring to your workplace or your family after you come back from a trip. Usually people buy snacks or junk food because it's cheaper, it's lighter, easier to carry than something like fruits or crafts. And what ends up happening is that people bring gifts that they don't want to give to people whom half don't really want to receive it because they don't want to eat for dieting or health reasons. But because it's rude to refuse a gift, everybody ends up eating it anyway. But why would I give something if I don't want to give it? So after my first trip, I didn't give anything to my workplace. And that was the first and only time I ever did that because I had to make a choice comply and become a part of the group, refuse and remain an outsider forever. But till today, it still doesn't make any sense to me. A year after I'd been in Japan, I went home for Christmas um, and something strange happened. Like a, a woodpecker banging his beak against a tree, I was nodding, making a tiny bow that is normal in Japan as a greeting or an apology, but that confused every Dutch person I met on the street. And it almost got me into a fight when I bumped into somebody who thought I would say, I'm sorry, and all he got was a nod. That made me realize I had changed, but not because I want to, because the environment made me. Back home, I also talked with my friends and family about things I had experienced, and their response was the same as mine had been for one year. It doesn't make any sense. But now, I found myself trying to explain why things were the way they were. The Japanese culture, the history, the intentions behind the actions. And I realized the second thing. The same objective reality is subjectively different. One's perception changes everything. So I returned to Japan with a new mission. Instead of 
making others understand me, I would focus on understanding them. If the environment was going to change me, I wanted to know how and maintain a sense of control. And with a lot of trial and error, I found two things in particular very helpful. Asking why five times. Ask it once and you will get to a superficial reason. But continue to dig down and you will get to the core of the belief, the feeling, the project, the idea. And at the same time, I would change my messaging. My mama always said, is the tone that makes the music. The same content can be presented differently, structured differently, phrased differently. I experimented with everything during that year. And as I went from making statements to asking questions, I not only gained new perspectives, but I also improved my relationships. As I started to focus more on the other person and change the way I phrase or say my question, people would open up, they would become supportive, or they would change their opinion altogether just from questions. And this made me realize two things. One, understanding comes from asking the right questions. And two, framing, so how we say things, changes the feelings, the thoughts, the beliefs of others. So when you hear all this, you think everything was going well, but I was struggling at work. With my startup background, I just couldn't handle the bureaucracy of a big corporation. And it was, it was suffocating me. So six months into my second year, I started to think, what if I ask myself better questions? Why do I feel this way? Why am I struggling? Why, why, why? And what if I were to quit? And that last question unlocked everything, as I now realize I had a choice. I could change myself to fit the environment, willingly or unwillingly, or I could change the environment to fit me, to take control or to relinquish it. Knowing I had a choice was liberating. And once you've seen this alternative reality, you can no longer unsee it. All that is left is figuring out the how. At age 28, and with two years' worth of savings, I thought, if not now, when? Since the environment was changing me in ways I didn't really like, I had made my decision. It was very simple. I would start for myself. So once again, I spent six months preparing my workplace for life without me transferring my work during the day. And every evening and weekend, I would spend myself preparing for the next step. It was two and a half years after I had come to Japan. I quit my job, I started for myself, and it's the start of chapter three. And three weeks into it, I was completely miserable. To quickly earn money, I thought uh, it would be smart to, when the markets were open, they trade stocks. And when the markets were closed, to do drop shipping, an e-commerce business. Neither was fun, neither energized me, I was not interested in them. I was not skilled in them. They just drained my soul, to be honest. And this wasn't it for me. But I now knew that I could change my feelings and thoughts with the right questions. So all that remained was finding the right location. And a few years earlier, it had been a train ride. But this time on Awaji Island, I went to the beach. And while the waves were 
hitting the shore, I asked myself again, what do I want in life? Except this time, it was silent. I sat on the beach for a few hours pondering the same question until I had an idea. What if instead of asking what, I ask who? Who do I love to help? How can I help them? Which people have similar struggles? And which people should I contact first? These questions gave me a list of 10 people, and I decided to reach out to the first three of them, tell them what I had in mind, how I could help them, that I wanted to do it for free for three months. And fortunately for me, all three of them said yes. And the best thing was that one of them turned into my first paid client at the end of the three months. This was how I started and grew my coaching business. I would identify people that I would love to work with. I would figure out how I can help them and make sure that I can help them. Do it the work for free. And either they would become a paid client or they would refer me to somebody else. And then word of mouth would take care of the rest. So by now you must be thinking, Jim has found his calling. He's got clients, his business is growing. Happy ending, right? Except the struggle this time was not changing my thoughts or my feelings or beliefs. It was my actions. Because you see, when you quit your job, all of a sudden you have 24 hours in the day. You decide what to do, when to do, how to do it from the moment you wake up all the way until the moment you go to sleep. And in my case, that resulted in massive procrastination. Too much freedom is just as bad as having no freedom at all. I couldn't handle it. So I decided to study people that I admire, people I respect, businessmen, athletes, investors. How can they get so much done when we all have the same 24 hours? And it was surprisingly simple. They change their environment, which then changes their habits, their actions, their beliefs, and ultimately their identity of who I am. The people I studied in my case also were very structured with their day. So I thought I would copy that. Every night I would write down five to 10 tasks. I would get done the next day. I would wake up, would look at the list, start with the easiest, work my way down and never got more than half of them done. So the next day my list would be even longer and I would struggle again, getting even half of them done. And as a result, I would feel even worse than I did the day before. This continued for a few weeks until one day I thought, if in the Netherlands questions could change my feelings and at my previous job, they changed my thoughts, can they do the same for my actions? And the answer is yes. And there are four questions in particular that changed my life. What, if done, makes everything else easier or irrelevant? This forces me to focus on one activity or one project one task that emphasizes effectiveness over efficiency. What energizes me? How can I do more of that? What drains me? How can I do less of that? I would ask these two questions every single week to improve how I spend my time by focusing on things I enjoy, that give me energy, that I feel passionate about, that I'm skilled at. And I would wrap it up by asking, what can I eliminate easily? If that didn't bring an answer, I would hypothesize. What if I stop doing this or I stop doing that? 
It's not addition, but subtraction. The elimination, the cutting of tasks, habits, projects that reduce my stress to near zero, while at the same time improving the quality of my life and of my work. And what connects these three chapters of my life are questions. If only turn into what if. It doesn't make any sense, turn into why. And procrastination and stress were also overcome with questions. That brings me to the final message I want to leave you with. The most powerful question I found. What if? But not the way you're used to using it. What if I hadn't gotten, hadn't lost that money? What if this hadn't happened to me? What if I had gotten that promotion? Focus your what if on the past and you'll be filled with regret. A time long, long gone. But focus your what if on the future and you will find opportunity. A time yet to come. What if my parents were to pass away tomorrow? Have I said everything I wanted? What if tomorrow I do what I love? Do I let life happen to me or for me? And finally, what if everything in life is a choice? Thank you. Arigatou gozaimashita.